he personified the Minnesota Vikings' identity as one of the most rugged men to ever play for the franchise. He earned the nickname Hammerhead for roughing up a field goal post and running through opposing linemen. He played 14 gritty seasons in the National Football League for two teams. He was captain of the special teams unit as an aging player. He played in three Super Bowls and made the Pro Bowl four times throughout his stellar career. He set numerous records for the team including games played, games started at one position, rushing touchdowns, rushing attempts. He was also honored as one of the 50 greatest players in Minnesota Vikings history. This is Pigskin Tales, the story of Bill Boom Boom Brown. William Dorsey Brown was born on June 29, 1938 in Mendota, Illinois. As of this writing, I couldn't find any information on the early life of the football celebrity. On September 26, 1938, American diarist Edward Rob Ellis wrote, Today I heard the voice of Adolf Hitler. His oratory is so menacing that he chills one's blood. At that time, Hitler was a dictator of Germany and was allies with Italy and Benito Mussolini. He went on to write that he was opposed to the United States getting involved in World War II, but it seemed inevitable with what was going on around him. Three years later, Japan surprised the United States with an attack on Pearl Harbor, and the next day, United States President Roosevelt declared war on the Japanese. Once Hitler found this out, he paid a visit to his ally, Mussolini, and together they declared war on the United States. Thus began the Second World War. As a student athlete for Mendota High, Brown excelled in shot put, winning the state title as a junior with a heave of 55 feet 2 inches. As a senior, he came in second place to his eventual Chicago Bears teammate, Mike Pyle. According to Kip Cheek, the sports editor for the Mendota Reporter, Brown's best heave set a school record at 58 feet 7 inches, a record that hasn't been broken in 70 years. Cheek also asked him to discuss his time as a football player in high school. We had a goof outfit. A lot of guys go on to play college ball, Brown said. We definitely had some great experiences. We had a lot of fun games and some were disappointing, but not many. We were in the hunt most of the time. After graduation in 1957, Brown chose to attend the University of Illinois. When Cheek asked Brown why he chose Illinois for college football, Brown explained that it was an easy decision to make because his brother Jim was already playing football there. Brown also went on to say that eventually Jim backed him up as a fullback. As his college career blossomed, he impressed pro football scouts with his toughness, perseverance, and pass-catching ability out of the backfield. In 1961, the owner, general manager, and head coach, George Hallis, and the Chicago Bears drafted Bill Brown in the second round. 
It was always a dream of his to play in the National Football League, but Brown also received offers from teams in the American Football League and the Canadian Football League. Even though the money was significantly better in the CFL, Brown chose to sign with the Bears in 1961. In an excerpt from an interview with Brown, he talked about his short-lived career with the Bears. Quote, I was a backup fullback and played maybe 8 to 10 plays a game. I didn't see eye to eye with Mr. Hallis, so I told him I wanted him to either play me or trade me. Well, he decided to trade me. He talked me into signing the second year, but traded me to the Vikings just before training camp. I landed in Minneapolis on Friday and got the playbook on Saturday. We were scheduled to play the Packers on Sunday. I remembered sitting on the sidelines and somebody yelled, Brown! And I looked around and it was Van Brocklin. I looked around because I had just gotten there and I didn't know if there was another Brown. Nobody got up, so I ran up there. Van Brocklin said we were going to throw the ball a lot, and because I was a good blocker, I could release and run the patterns. But I didn't even know the patterns. All we ran was special teams on Saturday morning when we practiced, so I knew none of the plays. I ended up reading as much of the playbook as I could Saturday night, and I got coaching from Tommy Mason and Fran Tarkenton on what I was supposed to do when I got out there. So that helped quite a bit. Um, that wasn't expected when you show up two days before. You know, you'd like to get your, you'd like to get acclimated first. Well, I got acclimated in a hurry. I got my feet wet and did fairly well in that game. So I played most of the year then. Unquote. Man, it is hard to comprehend how fast he actually had to learn a full playbook within 48 hours. I mean. After getting uprooted from one team and having to play right away on a different team in a city you know nothing about, thankfully he had two teammates that decided to help him figure out what he needed to do in order to be successful. Despite the Vikings only winning two games in 1962, they got to know each other pretty well. Their only wins came back-to-back -back in October against the Los Angeles Rams in L.A. and the Philadelphia Eagles in Minneapolis. In 1963, the team got better and put together a record of 5-8-1. They still didn't qualify for the playoffs, but they were gelling as a team. Norm Van Brocklin still had high hopes for the franchise. In a discussion with authors Bill Williamson and Eric Thompson for their book, Tales from the Minnesota Vikings Sidelines, Boom Boom remembers how Van Brocklin chewed players' butts for how bad they performed. Norm would undress guys right in front of everyone. He'd yell at guys pretty good. I saw many of my buddies get yelled at by Norm. By now, you must be wondering, how did Boom Boom Brown get his nickname? According to Williamson and Thompson, in 63, there was a picture printed in a local newspaper with the title, Boom Boom Booms Again. That described how Brown played as a member of the newly established Vikings. Everybody calls me Boom Boom. People I know call me Boom Boom, and people I don't know call me Boom Boom. At first, I was appalled by the nickname, 
but the more people I didn't know that called me Boom Boom, I just learned to live with it. I guess after 40 years of people calling me Boom Boom, I guess I finally like it. I sign autographs with Boom Boom now. In 1964, Brown produced his best season statistically. He averaged 16 carries per ball game, ran for a season total of 866 yards, and scored 7 rushing touchdowns. In addition, he caught 48 passes for 703 yards and scored 9 receiving touchdowns. The league felt that he deserved to make the Pro Bowl that season, the first of four trips. With Brown excelling at the fullback position, the team had their best season to date. Eight wins, five losses, and one tie. They still didn't make the playoffs, but as a team, they were making significant headway. In 1965, even though Brown's production was down slightly, he made the Pro Bowl for the second straight time. season saw the Vikings finish with seven wins and seven losses. It was a season highlighted by a versatile, explosive offense and spiced by violent, hard-hitting defense. For head coach Norm Van Brocklin, it was another year of progress, and under his experienced eye, the Viking offense blossomed into a strong striking force which rated fourth in the NFL. In 1966, Boom Boom Brown and the Vikings were a good team in the league, just not good enough even though they ranked fourth in offense for the second straight year and fifth in total defense, which is up two spots from the season before, they only managed to win four games. As a fan, I cannot understand this stat. If your team is good and the teams you are playing against are just as good, if not slightly better, then how is it possible to lose nine out of 14 games? It just doesn't make sense. Tarkenton led the team with 17 passing touchdowns. Brown led the team in rushing yards and touchdowns, and Dale Heckbart led the defensive scoring opportunities with five interceptions. Overall, the defense seemed pretty stout at the time, letting the second fewest yards allowed in the air. They ranked seventh in rushing yards allowed. On offense, they rushed the ball for 142 yards per game and were ranked third in the league but their air attack was average, 182 yards per game, ranking 7th. So it seemed like Coach Van Brocklin had a great team and a great game plan, it's just that they couldn't beat the Bears or the Packers. That's why they lost 9 of 14 games. In the spring of the 1967 season, the team started over with a new head coach from the Canadian Football League. You all know him as Bud Grant, the winningest and longest tenured coach in Vikings franchise history. Here is what Coach Grant had to say about Bill Brown. Bill Brown was a, when I came to the Vikings, Bill was already here. I remember looking at films when I first came and said, holy smokes, this guy is a football player. Bill had the, uh, again, the durability to play every down, 
and he was a kind of a runner that if he, if he approached him with to tackle him, you better be ready because he's not going to avoid you. He's going to run through you, over and around, or, you know, and take you on. For a fullback and all the the, the, the blocking and all the, the tough inside running that he did, he was a great pass receiver. His hands were as good as anybody we had on the team. And even at the end of his career, he was captain of our special teams at one time. Uh, he was an all-around football player. Could run, could catch, could block, and tackle. Uh, probably a, a, had all the five ingredients to make a great football player. And Boom Boom was as good as he ever had. The season, in a nutshell, was tough. A lot of fans had high hopes that Grant could take them to the playoffs with a whole new system, a whole new way to look at the X's and O's, and a whole new approach to how to practice. Unfortunate for the fans, they did not get their wish. The team recorded three wins, eight losses, and three ties. The silver lining here, though, is that Boom Boom made the Pro Bowl again. He recorded 610 rushing yards on 185 attempts and scored five times. It was his ability to protect the quarterback that impressed the judges of the Pro Bowl selection committee. In 1968, Brown again made the Pro Bowl for scoring 11 rushing touchdowns on 805 yards from scrimmage on 222 attempts in 14 games. He also hauled in 31 passes for 329 yards and scored three times. Overall, he gained 1,134 all-purpose yards and scored 14 touchdowns. The team under Bud Grant secured their first ever playoff spot, but lost to the Baltimore Colts in the first round, 14-24. Fans at that time were like, hey, at least we finally made it to the playoffs. It's a step in the right direction. I believe one of the biggest reasons why the Vikings made it to the playoffs that season is that they had a head coach who was stone cold emotionless on the sidelines and they actually had a coach who called the offensive plays instead of the head coach doing double duty. If you're not familiar with Jerry Burns, Google him. Going from 3-8 and eight in 67 to 8-3 and three in 68 was a big deal. Another reason why they were able to make it into the playoffs in 1968 was their pass defense. Ranked third out of 16 teams, the 1968 Vikings gave up an average of 132 yards per game, sacked the opposing quarterback 44 times, and gave up 16 total touchdowns on the season. Statistically, that is a very good defense, and coach Bob Halloway deserves a lot of credit. Going into the 1969 season, the team had very high hopes of making it past the first round of the playoffs. They got a taste of what it was like a season ago and they won it back in. The Vikings earned their second straight playoff spot with winning 12 games and a Central Division title. Overall, the team ranked first in the league for points scored on offense and allowing the least points on defense. Their rushing defense became stout and dubbed the Purple People Eaters. So where did Bill Brown fit in? Statistically, his numbers dipped because Coach Burns spread the ball around between running backs Dave Osborne and Brown and Joe Cap threw to his wide receivers Washington, Henderson, and Beasley. However, 
Boom Boom did what he does best and protected the quarterback and ran over opposing linemen when called upon. When the Vikings made the playoffs in 1969, they defeated the Los Angeles Rams in the divisional round and the Cleveland Browns in the NFL Championship to get to the Kansas City Chiefs in Super Bowl IV. It was an exciting time to be a fan of the Minnesota Vikings! possession of the ball and immediately revealed Hank Stram's well-conceived offensive game plan. Stram had decided that the Chiefs could move against the Viking defense on quick pitch passes in front of the Minnesota cornerbacks. Outside, Leonard, that double wing, do it more often. You throw it away. He can't, he can't cover that thing, Lenny. Throw it anytime. A pitch on the outside. That's a good time to throw it right there, you see. Let's go tight eye, double hook. Pass! Pass! Look at that stuff in front. It's like stealing. we got to do more of it. Quarterback Lynn Dawson proved the worth of Stram's strategy. Six of his seven completions in the first half were quick, sudden throws to the sideline. Oh, that's it. That's the one. They can't cover that in a million years. No way in the world they can uh, cover that stuff. See, that's like stealing over there. Double team those ends. No way they can cover that stuff. So we keep them down so we throw over the top. The Chiefs operated from a bewildering cluster of offensive formations, leaving the Vikings too confused to properly defend the passes. We're catching them moving. We're catching them moving a little bit. They're not ready for that quick count. Look at them running around. They didn't even know where to go on the lineup. Kasoki was running around there like it was a Chinese fire drill. They look like they're flat as hell. Earth! Watch it, Earth! After Dawson had the Vikings thinking about his quick passes to the outside, he moved his attentions to his running game. <laughs> Kansas City's running backs moved like lizards, slithering in and out of slits and crevices in the Viking line. Although they did not break free for long runs, they gained consistently and gave the Chiefs essential control of the first quarter and genuine domination of the second. Just keep a trickle the ball down the field, boys. Let's do 
executed by Kansas City's well-schooled offensive line. Wary of the quick, wild rush of Minnesota's two all-pro ends, Carl Eller, number 81, and Jim Marshall, number 70, the Chiefs made them cautious early in the game. They ran the ball inside and outside and varied their blocking pattern so often that neither Marshall nor Eller could totally commit himself to driving in on the quarterback. In the first quarter and again in the second, John Stenerud kicked field goals and gave the Chiefs a 6-0 lead. That's a good start. That's a good start. A good kick. by the Chiefs' offense was sustained by an adventurous defense designed to squeeze Joe Cap in the pocket and to reach Minnesota's tough runners before they could get started. Overpowered by the Chiefs' enormous defenders, the Viking running game gained only 24 yards in the first half. Make sure you mark it right. Make sure you mark it right. Oh, you lost your place. Measure it. Take the chains out there. Oh, they didn't make it. My God, they made that by an inch. He definitely gave an extra foot. passing game, Kansas City's close guarding cornerbacks and linebackers smothered his short passes and intimidated his receivers on longer ones. Jim Marsalis knocked the ball from John Henderson 
and Johnny Robinson recovered on Minnesota's 46. At this point in the game, Hank Stram decided on a most unlikely gambit. Listen, let's have a uh, other ice lot fake draw, 908-51, G or reverse, you know, friends. yeah, okay? Here comes a reverse coming from, from tight-eye. Here comes a reverse from tight-eye. Could be wide open here coming up. Tight-eye reverse. He might pop something over back into this side, you know? We got a reverse coming from tight-eye. Come on, get him out of there, buddy! Come on, baby! by the initial fake, then chopped down by Dave Hill, clearing the outside for a 20-yard gain by Frank Pitts. Pitts' run set up another field goal by Stanaru, and the Chiefs' lead increased to nine points. We break them down with these threes, and then we get on that board with some big ones. Come on, Vikings, get it back. Come on, we got to get the seven out. Hey, hey, we don't, we don't give them anything, man. We keep scoring that pressure on, putting the coal in the fire. Kick it up high, behind. Let's go. Come on. No frozen rope. Get it up in the air so we can cover this thing. All right? Let's go. Minnesota's Charlie West opened the way to the game's first touchdown when he misplayed the kickoff and Kansas City recovered. We got the ball, boys. Five plays later with the ball on the four-yard line. Coach Graham called for a 65 toss power trap. Look for 65 toss power trap. What does it look like? Look for our 65 toss power trap. Let's see what it looks like. Gloucester, tell him 65 toss power trap. Get in there for 65 toss power trap. Let's go! Let's Come on, let's go! 65 toss power trap. That might pop wide open, Wrench. line enticed the Vikings to the outside, leaving Mike Garrett an open path through the middle. Garrett's touchdown made the score 16-0 and closed out a first half completely dominated by the Kansas City Chiefs. The opening minutes of the second half offered a complete reversal of the pattern which had been established in the first half. What the hell's going on out there with this box? What way did we blow? Wendell Hayes. What is Wendell Hayes? Wendell Hayes. Where's Wendell Hayes? Wendell Hayes. Get in there. We can't make mistakes in this game.
like that. Let it be, Banks. Let it hit him, baby. Let it hit him. Let him What's the matter with that snap? We blew two of them down there. It looked like they were snapped late. Come on, we can't be making any mistakes down here. Who, who are they Surprised and outfought, Kansas City's offense managed only one first down, then turned the ball over to the other half of the Purple Gang and its fierce ringleader, Injun Joe Cat. Kansas City goal, running and passing for all but 10 of the yards himself. Inside, 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 get the ball, get the ball. and to switch to his deceptive running attack. Reverse. Because reverse, boys. Yeah. Because reverse. Devastating touchdown. Oh, 
Lotus. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's the way to check that ball over the goal line. Oh, I knew you'd do it, Jeff. Hey, Jeff. I knew you'd do it. That's it. A repeat of the touchdown reveals it began from the same sideline pattern, which had worked so successfully in the first half. Taylor's remarkable run gave Kansas City a 23-7 lead late in the third period. 16 points, the Vikings pinned their fading hopes on the strong arm of determined Joe Cat. Come on, offense, let's go! We gotta get to seven! But all the willpower in the world could not pull Cap through the rough chief defense. Two interceptions in the fourth quarter. One by linebacker Willie Lanier, number 63. And the other by safety Johnny Robinson, number 42 ended all hopes of a Viking comeback. That ball looked like it had helium in it. Three, four. Yeah, four, four balls early. That's right. Mark it up. Much of the credit for the interceptions must go to the persistent giants of the Chiefs' defensive line, who dealt Joe Cap a season's worth of punishment in a single game. Through it all, Cap was brave and tough, as he always has been. But by the end of the day, he was physically beaten, something he has never been. Defeat is a personal thing, nice going, but victory nice belongs going, to everyone. Nice going, Willie. Hey, Johnny. Johnny, let's hey. go with Fran. Get in there. Johnny, hey, Johnny. Let's get in. Hell of a job. Nice going, baby. Nice going, baby. That's a big kick for us, boy. Nice going. Hey, Bobby. Bobby Stein. Hey, Bob. Nice going, boy. Go ahead. Go ahead for a mic. Lenny Dawson. the devastating loss to the Chiefs in Super Bowl IV, Boom Boom Brown and the Vikings were determined to get back to their winning ways and reach the Super Bowl with a win for the coach. But Brown struggled with injuries most of the 1970 season. He still played well, 
It was just unfortunate for him that he missed out on the Pro Bowl. He became the captain of the special teams unit later in his career, which showed that despite his age, his toughness was still impressive. Bill Brown would retire from the game of football after the 1974 season. After retirement, Brown became an insurance salesman as well as a printing salesman for the John Roberts Company. In addition, he spent a lot of time donating his time to various charities around the Twin Cities area and participating in various speaking events. He revered his family and cherished as much time as he could with them. For about three seasons, Brown also did some promotional work and some broadcasting for the Vikings Entertainment Network. In 2004, the franchise enshrined him into the Ring of Honor and put his name on the list of 50 greatest players to ever wear the purple jersey for the franchise. On November 4th, 2018, Bill Boom Boom Brown passed away peacefully at the age of 80. He will always be remembered as a guy who loved the game of football but was also heavily involved as a father to his kids. He was always smiling and having a good time. He will forever be immortalized in the Vikings franchise as the quintessential tough guy with a golden heart. Bill Brown's career stats for the Vikings were 1,649 rushing attempts for 5,838 yards, scored 76 touchdowns, caught 286 passes for 3,183 yards, and played 194 games in the NFL. The last thing he said of his career was that out of all of the accomplishments he received in the NFL, nothing compares to getting a Super Bowl ring. I think I was fairly satisfied with my accomplishments in the NFL, but you wanted to win a Super Bowl, Brown said. That was a taint we got on us. I think a lot of our guys would have been in the Hall of Fame if we'd won a Super Bowl. Thanks for listening to Pigskin Tales. This story was written and produced by your host, Ross Bliley. Edited by Nikki Bliley. References include thisdayinhistory.com, startribunenews.com, YouTube, profootballreference.com, dailynorseman.com, mendotareporter.com, englishrosesweets.com, books I own, Tales from the Minnesota Vikings Sidelines, and 100 Things Vikings Fans Should Know and Do Before They Die. Soundtrack provided by Kevin McLeod of filmmusic.io. If you like this story, please share it with your friends. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter as Ross's Fancast.